My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. And welcome to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Uh, if you're visiting with us for the first time, we want to let you know that you are our honored guest and that you're always welcome to this church building whenever the doors are open. And I don't know the reason for your vi- visit this morning. Maybe you're just passing through. Maybe you got an invite from a friend or a family member. Whatever the case is, we're excited that you're here with us this morning. And we believe you've come to the right place because I don't think you'll find a finer church in all of Mission Viejo. I want to make this real quick announcement before we begin. As you know, uh, this week is the Pepperdine Bible Lectures, and there may be some of you here that want to travel up to Malibu uh, to participate in some of the lectures, but you don't feel like driving. I understand. Amen. Uh, So on Tuesday, I want to make this announcement, on Tuesday of this week, if you want to go up to the lectures, I'd be happy to drive any of you who are willing to attend or want to go up. Uh, Clint Fox and myself are going to be here at the building at 12 p.m. on Tuesday. And if you want to drive up with us, I'd be happy to take the church van and uh, drive you up and then drive you back down. So if you're willing to come, if you want to come, just see me after the service today and tap my shoulder and say, hey, I want to ride, and we'll be happy to take you up there uh, for the lectures on Tuesday. Um, You know, there's a lot of things that have changed over the past 20 years, if you think about it. A lot of things. Um, one major change is how we react when someone knocks on our front door. It really has changed. Um, and this morning, I want to show you a short clip by this comedian who shares what used to happen to us when someone knocked on our door 20 years ago versus what happens to us today when someone knocks on our door. So we're going to see if this works here. Nobody had a cell phone back then. If your, cell, if, your, if, your, if your house phone did ring, your father stood up and said, nobody get that phone. We got company. <laughs> and you lost track of time. Two hours went by. You were like, we got to get out of here. And said, That's okay. Next time we're going to come by you. Be like, yeah, my door's always open. <laughs> now your doorbell rings. <laughs> Your own mother's crawling across the kitchen floor. Get down the army crawl. Army crawl, get in the closet. Go get the sword in the living room. Somebody get the sword underneath the couch in the living room. There's a sword. All right, you have to turn and ask your family, you invite anybody over? You invite anybody over. to me like many of you can identify with this, right? (laughs) The title of the sermon this morning is When Opportunity Knocks. 
when opportunity knocks, when someone knocks on our door, or an opportunity knocks, what do we do? Do we gladly open up the door and welcome the opportunity, or do we run from it and hide? So <laughs> I had a friend this week uh, share this clip with me. I'll go ahead and put her on blast. It was Alicia Wexler, who's not here this morning. She emailed me this clip, and I thought it was so clever. And it got me thinking about our response when uh, opportunity knocks on our front door. Do we let the opportunity come in and uh, allow it to impact our lives and the lives of other people, or do we run and hide? That's really the question. And, And really, this is a sermon about when God calls you to do something. In your bulletin this morning, uh, you'll find some sermon notes. I would ask that you take those sermon notes out and feel free to fill in some of these principles that that we're going to learn and discuss this morning, okay? Uh, The first passage of Scripture that I want to look at, and you probably already know where I'm going, is found in Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 20. And, And the Scripture says here, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You know, God wants all of his people to be available and willing to open the doors of their hearts and to serve others. That's the very mission of the church. That's the very mission of Jesus. You see, Christ came into the world as king, as creator of all things, but he came to serve. And as disciples of Jesus, we are called to do the very same thing, to serve others. So if you have a a copy of your Bibles this morning, it's, it's not up on the screen, I want you to turn to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, and I want to uh, look at verses 4 through 11, and look at this story uh, of Jesus washing his disciples' feet, which you have heard and read before. John chapter 13, beginning in verse number 4. Follow along with me. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. 
Now, you've, you've read this passage of Scripture before. You know, it, you know it very well, the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. I want to make a couple of things clear as we exegete this text together, okay? Maybe some things you haven't considered before when thinking about this text. You know, during Bible times, people weren't wearing the latest Air Jordans, right? They, they weren't wearing the high-end, expensive Johnston Murphy uh, uh, dress shoes. They weren't wearing the latest uh, Tory Burch uh, footwear, right? That's, that's not what they had. What they had on their feet were sandals, which made sense because in this part of the country, the climate that they lived in suited themselves well to, to wearing sandals. And if you've ever traveled to the Middle East or have spent some time there, you know typically people still wear sandals, and that's, and that's what they do. And what they would do is they would walk around these dusty, dirty Palestinian roads for miles and miles at a time. And typically when they were invited to someone's house for a meal, the people would take off their sandals and sit on the ground at a low table, right? And that was the tradition. Now, if you're walking around with sandals on, on a dusty road, sweating, you know that's probably not the most uh, convenient uh, aroma that you'll ever encounter, right, at dinner time. Um, so what the host used to do is they would provide water in a basin, and they would also provide a servant to wash the guest's feet. So if you're coming in from out of town and you're going to have a meal, you walk into someone's house, you take off your shoes. Some of you guys still function that way, right? You make people take off their shoes when you come into the house. And the servant would be there to wash the guest's feet. And that was the tradition. And what's so interesting about this passage is, you think about it, Jesus once again ignores the custom of the day by getting down and washing his disciples' feet. Just think about that. Jesus was the leader of the disciples. He was God in the flesh, and he took upon the form of a servant of the house by washing 24 feet. That's 120 toes, grown men toes at that, right? And now we can begin to understand why Peter would have a problem with this. Jesus, you made the world, you made me, but yet you're washing my unclean feet. And the question is, well, why did Jesus do this? Well, he says it here. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So it's crystal clear why Jesus did this. Jesus did this to show his disciples an example of how he wanted them to live. And God's people are called to be servants of others. And what I love so much about the, the eldership that we have here, um, what they'll call themselves are, are servants first. And I really appreciate that, right? Because as a leader, you are called to be a, a servant. You know, Jesus could have paid somebody 
to wash his disciples' feet. If he wanted to be nice, right, he could have took out some of that money that Judas was holding, right, and pay one of the servants to, to, to say, hey, go ahead and do this. You know, today we live in a culture where we pay people to do the dirty work that we're not willing to do ourselves, if you think about it, am I right? We pay people to do that dirty work. We don't want to do, we don't want to do that. And Jesus could have easily done that. But if Jesus were alive and here today, I don't know Jesus, I don't know if Jesus would have lived the way we live. I don't know if he would have paid people to do the dirty work. I envision Jesus being one of those men that would be involved in getting his hands dirty, serving others. So uh, I want to make this clear. Opportunities to serve other people knock on our door all the time. I would venture to say it happens every single day. But oftentimes we're just not aware of it. God is knocking on our door all the time to say, hey, I want you to serve here. I want you to serve in this way. So this morning, um, I want to give you some, some practical, some very practical knowledge on how to be prepared when that opportunity to serve comes a knocking, okay? So, so if you look at your sermon outlines, uh, I have a question for you. And the question is this, well, how can we learn to seize the opportunities when, when they come knocking? When those service opportunities present themselves, how can we learn to seize these opportunities? The first uh, passage of scripture that I want to look at is found in 1 Samuel chapter 12 and verse number 24. And the scripture says here, but be sure to fear the Lord and to serve him faithfully. Get this with all your heart. Why do we do this? Why do we serve with all our heart and faithfully? Because we consider what great things he has done for you or for us. And that's why we serve, right? We think about all the blessings that we have. We think about the fact that we have a roof over our heads, food in our refrigerator, we have transportation, our family is doing well, we have health, good health for the most part, we're in our right minds, God is good. And what he wants us to do is because of his goodness is to share that goodness with other people and to serve and to help others because God is good. That's if God is good, I don't know about you, God is good to me. And since God is so good to me, it makes me want to serve other people. And when we do that, we have to do that with all of our hearts. So point number one is this. I don't have it up on the slides. I just want you to write this down. How can we learn to seize the opportunities? Point number one is this. Transform your heart. Transform your heart. We have to be willing to change our hearts. If we don't have a servant heart, we will miss the opportunities when they come knocking on our door because we're not concerned, we're not focused, we're not thinking about serving. I had a very uh, life-changing lesson uh, happen to me when I was about 18, 19 years old or so. I was a, a freshman or sophomore at Harding, and I was attending this church called the Kinsett Church of Christ in Searcy, Arkansas. It was literally on the other side of the railroad tracks. And I'm not joking, you actually had to drive over railroad tracks, right? And the church met in this trailer that's all they had. And the church consisted of a few Harding students and a few people from the community, and there was a preacher there by the name of Brother Franklin. 
Brother Franklin was having trouble in his marriage, and he felt that he could no longer effectively preach and lead the church. So one day I show up to Bible class on Wednesday night, and I noticed that the trailer of the church building was locked down, the lights were out, everything, and there was a note on the front doorstep. And the note read, Jason, I can no longer serve at this church as a preacher. Here is the key, here is the debit card and the checking account information. You are in charge now. In Christian love. (laughs) Brother Jimmy Franklin. And what I had found out is that Brother Franklin not only was having problems in his marriage, but he was dipping into the church account more often than he should. So at the age of 18 or 19, I had this church that I was a preacher for and that I was in charge of. So every day I would show up and I was preaching at this church, and there was a lady there at our church who was a, a hoarder. You know what a hoarder is, right? And she lived in the trailer parks across the street. I know this is a long story, but I'm getting to the point. Bear with me. And every day after church, she would come up to me and she would say, Jason, I need some kitty litter. I'd be like, okay, that's great. Maybe you should go get some. Every day she would come up, Jason, I need kitty litter. I said, well, why didn't you buy some Walmarts down the street? I'm sure they're having a sale. You can get the great value brand, right? But every day she would come up to me, Jason, I need some kitty litter. Until one day she said, Jason, I need you to go get me some kitty litter. And I was thinking, wait a minute, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what I've been learning in my preaching classes, to go get kitty litter for a lady who was obviously a hoarder and had seven cats that would use the bathroom everywhere. But I learned a valuable lesson that day. God calls all of us all the time to serve. All the time to serve. And when you serve, sometimes you have to do some dirty work. So every day uh, for about a month, I would go and get this lady kitty litter from Walmart and bring it to her, and she was so, so thankful. I say all that to say this. I didn't have a heart that was really considering what she was asking me to do. I was so concerned with sermon development and lessons and rounding people up that I forgot the very simple thing that Christ calls all of us to do to serve others. And sometimes that might mean going to Walmart to get the 50-pound bag of kitty litter, right? So service, if we want to seize these opportunities, it starts with the transformation of the heart. Point number two is this. If we want to learn to seize these opportunities... Listen to this. We've got to make room for serving. Make room for serving. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Selfish ambition. In other words, I like to view that statement as being consumed by the busyness of what we have going on in our lives. And when we're so consumed with our busyness in our lives, we have no room to consider others' interests because we're so self-focused. You know, we live in a region of the country where everyone is extremely busy. Can I get an amen to that? Everyone, everybody is so, so busy. You know, it's hard. I, I, you know, I say this all the time. I grew up in the South. One of the things that we did 
is we went to church. That was just a part of our schedule. That's what we did. That's what everybody did. You see, the, the, the Chick-fil-A was closed on Sunday, right? Because every, I mean, you couldn't go because things were closed. You were supposed to be at church. But we live in a region of the country where people are so, so busy. And I know for many of you, it's hard just to be here on Sunday. I get that much less showing up on Sunday night and Wednesday night. That's, that you, that's hard because of your schedule. You're just so busy, and our time is so precious, and our schedules are so jam-packed with events that guess what? We don't have much time to serve together as a church family because we're so busy. Or, here's another one, we don't want to serve. Why? Because we're tired from working. You know, and I completely get that. I understand that. I empathize with you on that. But I want to say this. If we don't schedule time in our calendars to serve or to volunteer, it will not happen. I want to make that clear. If we don't schedule time to serve or to volunteer, it will not happen. Okay? And then point number three is this. If you want to learn to seize these opportunities, you have to be willing to get your hands dirty. You have to be willing to get your hands dirty. Matthew chapter 25, verses uh, 33, or 35 and 36 says this. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. You know, Jesus in this passage, if you look at the beginning of, of this, this section of, of Scripture, Jesus is talking about the judgment. If you look at your Bible, he's talking about judgment. And what he says is, look, in the end times, everybody's going to ju be judged, and he's going to separate the sheep from the what? From the goats, right? You guys remember this passage of Scripture. He's going to separate the sheep and the goats. And what he says in this text is, look, the sheep will get into heaven and receive a reward. And then he gives the reason why this will happen. The reason why they'll get into heaven and receive a reward is not only because they accepted Jesus Christ through faith and baptism, but because they acted upon their faith and in particular because they fed the hungry and the thirsty. They housed the stranger. They clothed the naked. They cared for the sick, and they visited those who were in prison. So it's crystal clear what Jesus is calling us to do. And you remember in the story, the disciples were like, Lord, when do we see you in these conditions? He said, when you did it to the least of these, you did it for me, right? So in my opinion, we're called to serve these populations of people. And guess what? When you serve these populations of people, it's a messy, messy work. And you've got to get your hands dirty. So at my previous church in Sacramento, um, one of the things I used to do every spring is I would call Harding up and I would say, hey, can you send some students out for a uh, spring break missions campaign. 
So one summer, we had about 15 to 20 uh, Harding students, and the congregation was great. We housed these 20 students, fed them for a week, and they stayed with us for a week. And what we did is we organized a week of service. So one of the things that we decided to do was to go find a homeless population and to go serve them. So what we did in order to serve them, we had to do some preparation. So what we did is we went to Costco and bought a whole bunch of pieces of bread and, and bologna and cheese and all kind of stuff. And we went into the church kitchen and we were making sandwiches. And it took us probably about an hour or so. And then we got chips and cookies and water and the apple and we placed them in a bag. And then we printed off little things and stuck them in there talking about our church. Then we all hopped into our church van and we drove to the Salvation Army. And there was a bridge where the homeless population used to live under. And me and these Harding students, about 15 to 20 of us, went and distributed it, uh, these, these lunch bags. And you would think that the people there would be like, oh, this is so wonderful, thank you. This is, this is amazing, thank you for putting forth all that effort. Some of the people were like, I don't like bologna. Well, you don't like, but I just spent my money and put this together, you don't like bologna, right? There's too much mayonnaise on this. I said, look, man, hey, right? <laughs> One person took the lunch and put it on the ground and stepped on it. I'm not a charity case. I was like, what? What's going on? Right? So we received rejection while trying to do this work. In that same situation, a guy came after me with a raised fist and was going to punch me for some I have no idea why. I'm out there giving sandwich. He went, oh, and was going to punch me in the face. Right? And I'm thinking to myself, we put forth all this effort, this work to just help people. And oftentimes you receive rejection by the very people you're trying to serve. Right? It's crazy. You know what the scripture says, but don't get weary in well-doing. Right? So if we want to seize these opportunities, we've got to think through these points. We've got to transform our hearts. We've got to make room for serving and we have to be willing to get our hands dirty, and that's not a very appealing thing. But Jesus says, hey, when opportunity knocks, you've got to answer. You've got to be willing to serve in these capacities. So as we close this morning, uh, I want to give you some practical application. You heard this sermon, um, and, and Jason, what do you want me to do with this message, okay? So I want to give you some practical application this morning to figure out how you can apply some of these principles to your everyday living. Um, so here's the first thing I want you to do. On that sermon note page that you have, the first thing I want you to do is I want you to write down, think about it, write down an area of service that you are currently involved in. So go ahead and do that right now. What area of service are you currently involved in? Where are you volunteering? Where are you serving? Write that down. And the reason I'm asking you to write this down is because it will help us get in the process of really thinking about how much time we're serving other people. So I want you to write it down. Some of us this morning may be going, oh, I brought some donuts last week. You asked me to do that. Well, that's good. That's fine. I'll write that down, right? Where are you serving? How much time are you investing in serving? And then the second thing that I want you to process, and you don't have to write this down, does that service that you're doing involve what Matthew chapter 25 says? Some of you, you may say, yeah. Others, you may say, that has nothing to do with Matthew chapter 25. That's okay. I just want you to write that down, and I want you to think about it, okay, and process it, okay? So that's the first practical application. So you can spend some time doing that. 
And as you're writing, I want you to think about this one. Point number two. Here's the other thing that I want you to write down. Write down a ministry that you would like to see our church family be involved with. Many of you have things that God has put on your heart that you would love to see happen, but you've never shared it, or we don't know, or got lost in translation. So the second thing I want you to do is write down a ministry or an idea that you would like to see our church collectively involved in, right? One of the things that we're doing that I think is so neat is uh, Michael Wexler, and I don't know if he started it or what, but one of the things that we do at our church is we do a blood drive. And it's a really cool way to, to, to come out and to be involved in something. So he wrote that down, and we implemented this blood drive last week, we, uh, last week, last year. Um, and I don't know how many years we've been doing it, but we thought that was a really neat thing. We, we, we got to have some conversation, relationships, building with people. It was really neat, and we're going to do that again this year. So just stuff like that. What kind of area can we be involved with as a church? I'd love for you to write that down. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to share that idea with the staff this week, okay? I want you to email that idea to us, and you can email it to this email address. You ready? Prepare to copy. Office at mvchurch.org. Okay? Office at mvchurch.org. We'd love to hear your ideas. And then lastly, I want to leave you with this, and then we'll close. What else can I do? You can start really small, by giving something to a needy person you see this week. There are many of you this week, and I guarantee this will happen, you'll be driving somewhere, you'll be going somewhere, you'll be walking somewhere, and you're going to see a needy person. Maybe someone with a sign, maybe someone sitting down not looking too good, maybe a homeless person. You may run into a needy person. If you encounter a needy person this week, what I want you to do is I want you to stop and to give something to that person. Doesn't have to be money, but if you'd like to give money, I would say give money. If it's not money, give them a sandwich or give them a donut or even pray with that person. You'd be surprised at what happens. But typically, if you're like me, I walk on by people from time to time. And the reason why I would do that is because I became so jaded over time. If you've lived in inner cities, you see homeless people all the time, and a lot of times they take advantage of you, don't they? You'll give them $5, you'll see them go right across the street to the liquor store, right? And I become jaded until I had my own family member, my little brother, become a homeless person, and it has completely changed my perspective. I don't think Jesus ever says, worry about what they're going to do with the stuff that you give them. He says, give. So I would encourage you this week, if you see a needy person, stop and give them something. And if you don't encounter a needy person, because we do live in South Orange County, we might not see many, but that's okay. You still have another opportunity. If you have a needy friend or family member, help them out. And I'm not talking about the one that comes to you every week asking you for money, okay? Because I know you help them out. But there might be someone in your family or you have a friend that might just be struggling. Help them out with something. And I think that would be a great way that we can implement some of these ideas on how to seize opportunities. We're called to serve, church, and we're called to get our hands dirty. And if we're not willing to do that, what are we doing? What are we doing? This morning we have a song of invitation selected. During this song of invitation, 
we're inviting you to come forward. Now, a lot of times we just think in terms of tradition. We have the Song of Invitation, that's just what we do. Now, during the Song of Invitation, we're really inviting you. Maybe you've been falling short in the area of service and have been neglecting that calling in your life. We want you to come forward. Some of our elders and their wives will be sitting here up on the front pew. We want you to come forward, and some of them will be in the back as well. If you don't feel comfortable walking to the front in front of everybody, you can go to the back. The elders will pray with you. They'll pray for you to encourage you in this area. This morning, if there is someone here who wants to give their life to the Lord, we want to give you that opportunity as well. We have a baptistry ready. You can come forward and put Jesus Christ on in baptism this morning. Give your life to the Lord. Or if you've been falling short in some area and have been slipping up and been living a lifestyle of sin, this invitation is for you as well. Whatever your needs or concerns are, we're asking you to come forward together while we stand and sing. My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart.